Hello, the internet, and welcome to this episode of the Weekly Zeitgeist. Uh, these are some of our favorite segments from this week, all edited together into one uh, nonstop infotainment laugh extravaganza. Uh, yeah. So, without further ado, here is the Weekly Zeitgeist. Uh, well, we are thrilled to be joined in our third seat by the hilarious and talented Kyle Ayers. Thank you. Thank you. You know, as Christy Yamaguchi main, that's art. That name is art. Yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, I would expect no less from that. I would be so happy if I thought of that. I will, wouldn't do anything the rest of that day. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. he, he, like, yeah. I've, done an, I've done some stuff Yet today. Yet he persists. It's yeah. nice. the, the hustle. You, you got to admire it. How was your week? Uh, how was that Super Bowl for you, Kyle? Oh, it's bad. You know, as yeah. far as like one isolated game, I'm a Chiefs fan. So, right. I remember. It, 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 it was fun to answer the question Does football have to be a team sport? It turns we out. all got to answer it. And it turns out, <laughs> yeah, you need a team. Uh, cause can one man do it? No. Will that stop him from trying? Absolutely not. Man, that was like as bad as that game was for the chiefs. Like just some of the throws he was making, uh, Patrick Mahomes, like as he was like there, there was one throw, you know, he was just running around for his life. Uh, behind the line of scrimmage. Yes. He was like making throws like with his head like almost on the, the greatest ground, like incomplete passes down. you've yeah, ever seen. Ever. Oh, no. And it sounds dumb to be like, what a great incomplete. But it right. had he had that were dropped. That's what yeah, the most frustrating dropped. part is. Yeah. Hit a man always in dropped. the face mask in the end zone while throwing the ball while he's parallel to the ground. <sighs> had he caught that, the highlight still would have kind of disappeared because they lost. But it's But would they have lost? I, I, I don't think it's a hyperbole for me to say that might have been the greatest throw I've ever seen in my life, and it doesn't <laughs> matter. Because you know how you like, you always hear like, like uh, the best this, the funniest thing that's ever been said was probably not during a stand-up show. The greatest basketball shot that's ever been made was probably a backyard horse shot. None of us saw. Oh, yeah. Right. That right. was the greatest throw I've ever seen in my life, and it got dropped. It hit a dude in the face. It was hit a guy in he the kept face. Hitting mask. people in the hands and the face mask, and they were dropping it. It is like if all of the catchable balls he threw had been caught. Uh, I I don't know that you guys would have lost. Even the game maybe goes was... in a different path. Right, too many right. things went wrong to say yeah. that. Like there were a lot of bad penalties that I disagreed with for the first quarter and a half. But then yeah. they did not have an offensive line, which you need. You need, you need it, yeah. yeah. It felt but... like. Have you ever played a video game against someone who knew the buttons? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> This is like if I've never played Madden, but I pick the best team, I'm going to get some weird plays by just hitting X. Right, right. Do you know what right, I mean? Right, right, Even right. if yeah, I don't yeah. know what's going on. That's yeah. kind of what it felt like. And it was yeah. not fun to watch, but I'm still... You try and keep things in perspective. Sports fandom is such a bizarre thing. If yeah. you think about it, like it's a reality show I've been watching my whole life. <laughs> right. And they finally rewarded my char- like character last year after 30 years of them not getting like so susan lucci emmy Emmy win after decades (laughs) it felt more like the peter o'toole oscar win uh (laughs) where we were 140 years in and they were like he might not be here next year (laughs) and so this is i still have to be like i could i can't believe that guy's the quarterback of the team i watch right he's the most fun kansas city's never had the most fun player in any sport now they have Steph Curry, yeah, which is like he's probably the best, and he's by far the most fun. Yeah, absolutely. So I, think- I just got to be happy to be there. I'm just uh, I am tired of Tom Brady, and that's not even his fault. Well, it is, but yeah, not a negative thing to him. What is something you think is underrated? Okay, again, both of these are in honor of the 21st anniversary of Jim Varney's death. I'm going to say underrated, Ernest scared stupid. Mm. Okay. Overrated. Ernest saves Christmas. Ooh. And I love Christmas and Christmas movies, but I don't know. It's not. I think. I think honestly, maybe Ernest goes to jail would be the my favorite. But yeah. Christmas gets a lot of shine, and I feel like Halloween really is Ernest's true holiday. And that's scared stupid as a Halloween film. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. the one like the pumpkin cover. I just know every 
earnest film just had Jim Varney just giving that full like, <laughs> like I right. earn grin. I can't imagine um, how delicately they handled the uh, carceral system of the United States in their uh, analysis <laughs> through the earnest goes to jail prism from the year 1990. <laughs> this is why I think it needs more credit because Ernest right. across all of his properties you would think would would go a little bit more racist and he doesn't like at any point. No, like, yeah, that is true. I feel like I that was the thing that I my first assumption about a like Ernest thing cuz like hey Ver, I'm like you talk like the scary people from the movies my grandpa shows me. Um, <laughs> the and, hills have eyes. Right, right. And then you're like, "Oh, wait, these are more kid friends." Then you realize like he's like he was like a good guy, right? Yeah, Wasn't he's he a really, well he was a very good guy. Yeah, and like pretty diverse casting. And yeah, he just never goes this like sort of ignorant hillbilly route that he could have. Uh, but yeah, RIP, man. Yeah. yeah. You're that's missed. A, that's an amazing story that that started as a radio advertisement and like and for then a local, local car TV dealership and then local. Yeah. Yeah, that's wild. What was really crazy is he he was like the local commercial guy, it seemed like. So you, he was advertising like a million different places like in these small towns. Because you're just like, oh, you want a commercial? Get Ernest. He's the right. commercial guy. So, right. You know, you could be like dueling pizza restaurants have the same guy in their commercial, essentially. Because he just had... It's such a good idea. I should I like should a, do this for the neighborhood restaurants. I'll do your it, commercial. Yeah. <laughs> Five hundred <laughs> bucks. <laughs> Just some food. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Are they I wonder like if there's a someone has an archive of the Jim Varney local ads. That's there a documentary them, that needs to be made. They're on right. a lot of them are on YouTube. On YouTube? They, okay. Yeah. yeah. Cause I'm great. curious to see like what because yeah, it's such a specific flavor because yeah, like the whole Hey Vern thing was him breaking the fourth wall, wasn't it? Like about like Vern was the person on the other side of the camera, wasn't it? Vern was all of us, Miles. Right. We yeah. were Vern. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> Jim. But Vern is like really stupid. Like he's way dumber than Ernest. So yeah, right. as, as a kid, you're like, I guess I'm Vern. I'm Vern. <laughs> I'm Vern. <laughs> was Vern did we ever meet Vern in the films? I mean, you see his hands and stuff. Like he you know, he's a He's person, like Claw sure. from <laughs> Inspector Gadget. Right. Yeah. It's like a very dumb version of Claw. You know what I mean, Vern? Yeah, he trademarked that thing. Yeah, shout out to him uh, and and the Ernest films, uh, which none of which I saw for some reason that missed me. Um, so I need to I need to do my work. I'm yeah, I'm here. curious to see because it's funny that I know the last thing, the last Jim Varney thing I sought out to watch was the Beverly Hillbillies. <laughs> right, <laughs> that was like two <laughs> years ago. That was right. a lot of people's like introduction to him, and then they were like, "Oh, he's got all these other." I mean, right. yeah. But in the South, you know, he's a superstar forever. Mm -hmm. He's like killer bees. <laughs> 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 Do you guys know that comedian? <laughs> oh no, I thought no. you were talking about the actual phenomenon of killer no, bees coming up from like the South. This southern comedian named Killer Bees, and his tagline is "Save up, you better save up." <laughs> just, just like solid conservative we, financial advice is his catchphrase. Pretty much. Yeah. Wait, what did Killer Bees look like? Did he I dress mean, like him? Like he had to have dressed in black and yellow, right? No, he just looks like an old white guy. I don't know. He's really funny. <laughs> I can't. I didn't know. Killer Bees is just the comedian's name. Yeah, it's pretty tight, right? Like he's not a rapper. He's oh B E A Z <laughs> Killer Bees. Okay. I mean. That's a, that is like one of those nicknames that like yeah that that's just, his name is like bees some his last name is bees something they were like Beasley. hey it's killer bees it's, hey it's Truett S Beasley Jr. All right yeah, he yeah. just started killing so hard people started calling him killer bees hell yeah yeah that it's, dude crushes save up yeah I, I think. <laughs> They say it stemmed from an incident in his childhood where a friend went into anaphylactic shock after a series of bee stings. Beasley <laughs> then threw his epinephrine pen into the river, uh, and then his friend died, giving him the name Killer Bees. This is not real, Miles. <laughs> Did you just make that up? Yeah. Miles. Allegedly. I just made that up on a joke podcast, okay? That I wasn't was real. So, it was so Bit convincing. Of Bit of improv. <laughs> Bit of improv. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's amazing. 
for anybody who like I was confused why they thought they could make a TV show out of the uh, Geico Caveman. They were trying to recreate the magic of of uh, Ernest. You know, just it's true. That that's but that's yeah. next level. That's a next level talent. I mean, that's and also a hot podcast. Kind of a hot young dude. Uh, back in the day, like obviously. Oh, I think he's very attractive. Yeah. Jim oh yeah. Varney. When he was unverned, you're like, yeah. Okay, Jim Varney. Yeah. <laughs> exactly what I said. <laughs> yeah. There's a young. There's a picture of him as a young man, just like you know, making love to the camera. Uh, and through his eyes, not literally, just like you know. He's given the camera a look that's like, damn, Jim And Barney. that's when I knew <laughs> I was Vern. <laughs> <laughs> we're all Vern. We're all Vern. Yeah. We all wish we were Vern. Um, and Vern, Vern always kept his hands visible, so we know he wasn't touching yeah, the camera. Yeah, yeah, we were talking about that. Oh, that was before the recording. That was off mic, but we were talking about the fact that the Wiggles keep uh, give the thumbs up in all their pictures because they want... Uh, People, the parents, to know that their hands are not up to any shenanigans. They're not uh, doing anything untoward, which is important. Yeah, good policy when you're around children constantly for a living, right? Um, and then just any and like and just there will always anything that could look improper or untoward. You never want to be in a situation where you're like, nah, I I just had my hand in my pocket, and they're like, uh, we don't know, buddy. Yeah, and you're like, okay, this is why I do this all the time. Now it's always thumbs up. Right. And like, but what's in their palms? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what is something you think is underrated? So I I I think I I I asked this morning while I was eating breakfast, I asked my girlfriend both underrated and over what are things I think are underrated and overrated? And she goes, Oh, you think everything's overrated? And I was like, Okay, what's something I think is underrated? And she goes, Oh, you think everything is underrated? And I was like, I can't be both. And then I was like, Give me a specific example of either. And she goes, I can't think of any. And I was like, This sounds like a you thing. This sounds like something you're projecting onto me. No details. Uh, and, I don't but know, I man. think I think comedy acting is so underrated yes. as an actual art form. Right. I think that acting in a comedy is hard and I think it is underrated because it's, people are like, look at the funny person being funny. I think, and I will I say to this day often, Rachel McAdams deserved an Oscar nomination for Mean Girls and there are mm. 10 equivalent performances every 10 years Yeah, in comedy no, there, that no one else could do. It's so funny too because it's it's even the thing that actors acknowledge is harder than the thing they're constantly like lauded for. You know, when people are like, oh, my God, the dramatic performance, like, I'm going to be honest with you. Comedy is way harder than it's this so much harder thing. to it's be a- funny than it is to pretend to be Lyndon Johnson <laughs> 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 or whatever funny award someone's Lyndon- winning. It's actually hard to pretend to be Lyndon Johnson and that not yeah. be funny. As yeah. you, since he was oh, talking about the would- new movie, Lyndon B. Laughing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he did use his uh, AIDS as uh, piss screens. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And just like those calls, I mean, how do you do with a straight face to say bunghole like right. he does and like try and be right. like- while and, being sworn in. Right. Right. And have that delivered. <laughs> while being sworn in with yeah. the right. Jackie, Jackie widow. Kennedy standing right there. <laughs> yeah. Bunghole. I'm just and saying I, it's a funny word. Faithfully execute the duties of this office upon my bunghole. <laughs> All right. He has his entire there suit pulled up over the top of his head like Beavis. <laughs> <laughs> like Cornholio? Yeah, Cornholio pulled up over his head. <laughs> that dude is one of my, like, he, uh, Daniel O'Brien uh, from Cracked and now uh, last week tonight used to uh, talk about, like, just there's all these wild stories behind the scenes. He would make reporters do interviews with him while he was pooping on the toilet, like, because it was like a power move of some yeah, sort. Hell yeah. Um, he would show people his uh, what he called big jumbo, because uh, I guess he had a big a big uh, penis. He exposed and, himself a lot to people. Yeah, tons. Uh, that makes and that I mean, was, yeah. What am yeah. I? Why am I surprised that, that, that <laughs> someone who runs the United States isn't also flashing their dick when they get the yeah. chance at some? <laughs> Imagine running a country because a guy died and not having a weird ego. Right. <laughs> right, exactly. And then being like, well, he left me with a fucking mess of a country right now. Right. Fuck. Well, I mean, that's assuming that he had nothing to do with it, which yeah. now you've seen the picture. Kyle. You've seen the picture. <laughs> Why was he ever smiling? Um, 
the <laughs> yeah he's like looking at <laughs> looking over at JFK like Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> uh but sorry I distracted from your point which I think is a really good one the like it's definitely harder to pull off and like in the case of Rachel McAdams like that is a more lasting performance than any dramatic performance from that year like culturally impactful uh sorry my son is Ramsey are you he doesn't like this take he's he's been honestly laying on the ground and like stage yawning uh during <laughs> like every time i talk just yeah. going like, oh man um <laughs> oh man cool gas study <laughs> oh you're on that one again Dude, to, uh... but it's all just about how like that's a youth like the audience thing wanting to feel when when they won't nominate any comedy movies for oscars that's just because the Academy voters watching it want to feel like they're doing something serious and therefore right. like it's them. It's, it has nothing to do with like the actual power or cultural impact. Or, it does feel like, a lot like involved. uh you're right. It is jealousy. I will say right. the word. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know what comedies came out the year Manchester by the sea came out, but I bet there are a bunch of comedians who are good at being funny and can look like sad sacks of shit. And so I think that, no, I don't know much about Casey Affleck. I don't care to learn anything more about him. And I think he's been better in other movies, but that movie was just a guy being sad. And right. he, it's, and his version of sad was being quiet. And so he won an Oscar because a, 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 a cinematographer was good at making him look sad. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Give um, me... I mean Give me Bill Murray in Groundhog Day, which is comedic and dramatic. Give me Rachel McAdams in Mean Girls. Give me everyone in Bridesmaids. I don't know. Will Ferrell probably should have won an Oscar for Anchorman. We're still talking about it, and no one else yeah. could have done it like that. It's, Absolutely. People just don't value it as, as an art form, but then if they when they try and do it, they look a fool, or they're just... Right. Yeah. Give me like Casey nothing... Affleck using a a baseball glove for cleanup. Like I'll take that over uh, Manchester <laughs> by the Sea. The th the, yeah, and I wonder if it's you know like they they're like you're saying, Jack. Like they can't really acknowledge how significant comedy is to culture, and right. like how how much of a lasting impression that leaves on the audience. Like more people quote you know not that it's I'm saying this is needs to get an Academy Award, but more people will quote Dumb and Dumber than fucking saving private ryan or something like that like there's yes. there's something about comedy that like it really uplifts us and like we can draw upon something positive just like with a recollection of it and like, granted of course like dramatic acting is an art form in and of itself as well but and, and, and to not like impossible hold it to up, do art form right, right. It, and it, I, it's also wild yeah, like so to not hold them up and be able to say like it's like the grammys saying like the only music is classical music Right. Like, right. Yeah, yeah, fuck? exactly. No, you idiot. What are you talking about? Like, people turn up to all this other shit. Like, I don't know if we, we need have to, to just do, that. like, Oscars need to do what the Golden Globes do. But then, generally, the Golden Globes gives the best comedic or musical performance to whatever is the most dramatic thing that pretends to be a comedy. To be, like, yeah. right. Martian. To game the system. Or something. Yeah. Yeah. The most dramatic movie that also made us laugh this year. Yeah. I also <laughs> wonder if there's something changing because, like, uh, not to keep hearkening back to cracked. I've uh cracked on my brain, but the first podcast we did on uh for the cracked podcast was about like how um comedy like ages poorly compared to drama, and like old comedy movies aren't really funny anymore, except for like the Marx Brothers because they went uh town to town and just like honed these jokes that were like ir funny irrelevant of what town they were doing it in um i i just wonder if like now it seems like things have like we still think anchorman is funny i don't know you guys are younger than me but like it seems like people i think that fewer i think i do think that fewer comedies hold up over long term than dramas that do yeah and I think even fewer dramas hold up than like an action. Like Die Hard is so old at this point by movie yeah. standards and feels like a movie that could have come out a year ago. But comedies from that year, there's like a Naked Gun sequel, which has probably kind of funny, but does I just, you know, doesn't hold up as much as these other things. So it seems to be like this the couple of comedies from most years that hold up, whether it's like Groundhog Day or Airplane or movies like that that, that hold up for a while. But I, I kind of think, blockbusters tend to hold up the best we still watch jurassic park yeah uh, that's you know true. everything that is an avatar we'll still go back and watch 
Jaws, I think, is often mm. cited as one of the movies that holds up the best. And that's a whole other Oscar me. gripe that I have is, uh, you know, who, we don't acknowledge that these movies that influence culture more than anything else should be, get any sort of nomination for this stuff, let alone Thank stunt you. people in movies, let alone acknowledging that computers help make movies now. Academy it, Awards could be so much more fun. Yeah, it like feels like the Major League movie. Baseball of 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 awards. Yes, yeah, it's where yeah. you're like, like come kinda, on, that's kind of where like the MTV Movie Awards got it right, where they would get super specific, like wow, this fucking fight scene. Yeah, and then yeah. you're like, yeah. oh shit, like <laughs> it actually gave you something like really. You're like actually comparing like from Blade Two. I'm like, okay, let's like watch this fight scene and trying to even. Yeah. I remember yeah. watching this shit and like talking to my friends, like, you really thought that was better. From right. Matrix. Okay. Whatever. Okay. Like, just make like, some more just... awards. I don't know. The, John Wick get nominated for nothing. We all talked about it for four years. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah. I guess that's where it's like, what? Yeah. Th- I wonder if, if the Academy can take itself a little less seriously and understand that, like, film itself is something much larger than, like, if the, the people tuxedo... who call themselves the Academy can take themselves less seriously. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> it's you're talking about a bunch of people who work in something they call the industry. And I say they, I'm part of that. But right. the industry, maybe doctors should be the industry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And everyone making me like, up I work like in racist film. lies that poison <laughs> yeah. our brains. Like you think, because like also too, you look at a movie like Crash, that one Best Picture in two thousand six. That motherfucker doesn't hold up at it's a all. It didn't ever. hold yeah, up when it became won. a punchline in I an mean, hour. Of course, I mean for people who had half a brain in two thousand six, you're like, are y'all seeing this? And then you're like, yeah. okay, so white people are in charge of everything, and like it was hitting a little ally chord. So people were like, oh, this is so good, this is so good, so good. Yeah, yeah, play. and they would never make that mistake again two years ago with Green Book. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how I would be so much more let they keep talking about like people aren't as interested in the Oscars anymore. Like if they just did an award that was the best uh special effect in move in any movie and you just got to see like how they did it. Like, I would love that. That would be so fun. Like yeah. cuz they do that with like they have the like behind the scenes costuming and like all these things they do to honor those arts. But like I don't know. That would be, dope. be yeah. Behind the scenes, because you know what, I feel I feel like we lost, like we sort of lost the magic of filmmaking too, because we don't see as much behind the scenes stuff. I remember, like on HBO, part of the whole marketing thing would be a fifteen minute behind inside look at the making of a film that right. was coming out, and you get to see like them between takes, the technology being used, and that for me as a child, like anything that was behind the scenes, anything always had my imagination going even further because I'm like, oh, wow, like this is how you do it. These are jobs you could have this, that, and the other. And I think because like with that content being less there, it's like we're just focusing like the actors more. And we right, only yeah. think like the one thing you do is be pretty in front of camera and talk. Yeah, like, but they, all the even, other arts. You always are hear lost. stories about how those behind the scenes are what prompted so and so to become a filmmaker or so and so to get. Every time you ever see any visual effects person, they're like, I saw a 10 minute behind the scenes about a, how a head exploded in Evil Dead and I wanted to do this. And now I'm, and I'm, that's beautiful. Yeah. The yeah. credits are so long. Right. Yeah, the credits are so long. All right. Let's take a quick break and we will be right back. And we're back. We are thrilled to be joined in our third seat by the brilliant, the talented Tess Lynch. Hello. I'm Hi. back. <laughs> You're back, Thank baby. You. Thank you for having me. Also, your son is so cute. Hi. Uh, Ramsey, <laughs> you want to say hi to Tess and Joel? Hi, Tess and Joel. <laughs> oh, hi. <All right. laughs> yeah, yeah. Hi every time. Oh, uh, so cute. Tess, how have you been? What, what have you been up to? Oh my God, nothing. I've been up to nothing, um, just like everybody else. I My main like story arc over the past uh, <laughs> 10 months or whatever, we um, I had a podcast with my friends Molly and Emily, and since we ended that podcast, boo. I have just been doing nothing. I know, boo. Um, boo that you ended it, not to the <laughs> Yes, boo that we ended it. The podcast was yay. Uh, yes. But I've been mostly sitting in my backyard with my kids while my neighbors um, have been playing the Billy Joel album, The Stranger. And it's, <laughs> yes. it's taken up my entire brain. 
for that the past been, <laughs> however long. That's been happening for a while, hasn't it? Yeah. It started in March and oh, it's no. at least once a week and they play The Stranger in its entirety, usually on Friday nights, but they'll mix it up now. I mean, over the past three weeks, they've played it maybe three times a week and sometimes at random times of day. And it's ne- you're never in the mood. The whole album, though, Jack. The whole album. It's leaving a really distinct album. Scenes from an Italian restaurant is the best song on that album by yeah, far. Yeah, that's a classic. Yeah, okay, right. I'm so, never yeah. not in the mood for that one. But I mean, then there, you know, there's a lot at the the end, the final song, which I like. Forget the title. It's also it's it's not super loud, so it's just enough that it like makes mm. you feel a certain way but sometimes you can't even like identify it sometimes they'll play it super quietly and you're just like why do i feel like there's like a <laughs> weird new york city jazz kind of vibe in the air and they're like, oh it's the stranger yeah those are oh, classics I see. I yeah. see. bottle okay, of red yeah, moving out yeah, they play oh, moving out. parenthetical yeah. Anthony song. But you know yes. what? It doesn't hold up as well after like 30 plays. Moving Out right. I, Moving Out was one of my top 10 <laughs> Billy Joel songs. And no. now, too, I'm like digging into the you know later catalog just to balance it out. So I'm doing like I go to extremes, keeping the faith. Yep. Yeah. Do you ever find yourself just accidentally going into like a hundred percent? Yeah. Like, hey, could you turn that back? Sorry, it's Anthony's song. Sorry, guys. I'm Anthony now. Joel, what were you gonna say? Uh, just that I'm I'm really sorry they're ruining like some of my favorite Billy Joel songs are on this album, like Vienna. It's great, like, jams, and I feel like it's unfair that they are ruining it for you, but I'm glad that you have found a way to bring a balance to your <laughs> Billy Joel discography. Also, do you think after a year they're going to get tired of it? Is there any, like, slowing down of the progression of their listening? No, it's picking up. It's picking oh up, God. and they'll add other things. Like, it's bookended. It's often, like, they bookend it. Um, Elton John might be a lead-in. ELO might follow. But there's variation there. You know, right. it's the stranger remains the same. Um, but I do have to say, I like Vienna also. And it's, you know, it, I mostly associate it with 13 going on 30. Yes, Where fair. it's employed to great effect. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. It, it inspired an episode of Taxi. I did not know this. Yeah, and it's in the Wikipedia, and I was like, oh, and now I should like go back and watch that episode <laughs> oh, of Taxi. But then I was like, no, I've had enough. I don't need to do this to myself. <laughs> you got to complete your six degrees of Billy Joel separation. Yeah. And just go diving can, like, deeper and deeper into a hole. <laughs> totally take over someone's life with by just playing a Billy Joel album over it's, and it, over it again. It is a method like, of control, yeah. absolutely. Psychologically seeding them. at war with your neighbors, uh, yeah. DZ gang, uh, helpful hints here for you. Yeah. Just start playing that album. Yeah. It's torture. It is. But have you ever thought about how, like, sometimes you look in the mirror and the person looking back is a stranger to you? The stranger is yourself. Like, yeah. yeah, like we're all like we all, and this is gonna blow your mind, but it's all, it's almost like we all wear masks sometimes. Uh, Whoa. <laughs> oh man, but that does seem uh, pathological at this point. I don't think they're gonna be like, yeah, okay, we've had enough. It seems like it's uh, no. Now it's a whole, now it's a lifestyle. It went yes. from like a fun mm. thing to like now it's a joke, and now it's like we we're jumping the shark, and now it's just an earnest commitment. Yeah. And there's no turning back. (laughs) (laughs) Well, speaking of white supremacy, uh, let's talk about the, uh, you know, long term trend, but uh, recently even uh, more troubling trend of anti-Asian racism in America. Um, Yeah. Yeah, there's, you know, I hate crime that happened recently in the Bay Area. uh, And it's part of a, a... a broader trend to uh, Asian American actors got involved with, um, you know, offering a reward to solve the case. And like, so it's finally getting some attention, but uh, this has been a long-term issue. It, it's, it's just anti, anti-Asian racism is really, a, it's wild of uh, being black and Japanese American. Like I've, it's weird to kind of reconcile what it means to even be American, like looking through the lens lenses of the collective experiences of like Asian Americans and, and African Americans. Um, you know, obviously 
like we had been saying at the beginning of the pandemic, when motherfuckers are out here calling shit Wuhan flu or China virus, right. that racist rhetoric was just helping to laser focus all that hatred into what we're now seeing is like just record year of hate crimes against Asian Americans. And, you know, it's nothing new, but it, it occupies a very unique blind spot in American society and media just because of, especially through like the evolution of like the, the model minority, the Asian model minority that was, was emerging in like the middle of the, the last century. But like, you know, we, we kind of have to start at the gold rush because you kind of got to see you're not going to understand, like, you, you can't understand uh, anti-black racism without talking about slavery, right? So you, you can't right. talk, you can't understand anti-Asian racism without understanding the beginnings of uh, immigration from from Asia into uh, into America. So in the beginning, the gold rush, okay? That's when it all kicked off. Everybody was trying to get to California in the 1840s and 50s to fucking strike gold. That was the, one of the first significant influxes of Asian immigrants and Chinese people specifically. They were about one-fourth of the miners, uh, during the gold rush, but uh, obviously, because you have a white majority or dominant class, they looked at these perceived intruders and started engaging in violent terroristic acts of racism to base to oust the, them from the mining. And that relegated a lot of these Chinese immigrants to lower wage jobs, which is the railroad and farming and things like that. And then th then slowly they began codifying these into like the Chinese Exclusion Act and saying, you know what, you can. If you want to kick a motherfucker out because they're Chinese, go do you, honey, because this is a law now. And that sort of momentum evolved. So once there was a smaller population of uh, Chinese workers to work farms and things like that, the Japanese came in. And that was the next. And then that's the next group who, they, OK, they're going to work the farms it's like, damn, they did a lot with all that little bit. And now they're starting to succeed a little bit. OK, well, now we need new laws to kind of make shit hot for them. And then Filipino Americans came in and they liked that better because Filipinos were part of a country that was annexed by the United States and felt like there was a little bit more of a parallel crossover to work in the United States from the Philippines. So all this like moment, it's it's been happening since, you know, the beginnings of of Asian immigration. And that essentially leads to fucking what we saw during World War Two. Japanese people, Japanese Americans literally put in concentration camps for years because of Pearl Harbor, yet Italian and German Americans, yo, do your thing, you know what I mean? Because mm. because you're white. Huh. Um and that's just how that's just how it goes out here. So it's just like this, you know, looking through all of this, you're like, it's always a thing that has existed, but we don't teach it. So we don't really think of it as a, a huge part of our American cultural history. But it's also like this evolution of like the model minority in the 60s, because a lot of people were pointing at Asian Americans who were succeeding as a way to sort of fuck up the dialogue or conversation around the pursuit of civil rights for black people. Because they're like, well, these Japanese people are like they have their own businesses and are going to colleges and they're doing so well, like minorities are able to succeed in this country, like as this count fucked up counterpoint. And I think that has also led to this very weird, you know, uh, monolithic perception of what an Asian American person is, which is typically like, oh, there are people who can make money, who are uh, maybe uh, achieving high, higher levels demographically, academically, or higher incomes. So it also like what that also does is it it sort of erases the nuance of what the Asian American community looks like. It's like Nepalese Americans face all kinds of high levels of, of poverty and unemployment. Same with uh, Hmong people. Like it's, it's not just Chinese, Japanese, and Indian Americans, which I think everyone's just like, see, Asians are good. They're good. You see them, they're doctors, they got blah, 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 blah. And so it, it, when we have all these acts of, of racism, it, it's, it's not quite registering for people. Like, it's like, Oh, I, oh, that's awful. But it's not sort of I don't think seen as the same uh, level of violence or the, the sheer terror it causes for a community uh, because of these other examples. It's not part of the narrative of what the experience is for an Asian American person. So, I mean, when you look at like what's happening, especially with in the Bay Area, um, you know, in San Francisco, an 84 year old man from Thailand, he died after being attacked on his morning walk. There was in Oakland, a, a few people in the Chinatown in Oakland there were getting shoved, attacked, robbed. You know, people were taking cash out for Lunar New Year. So people were like, they're going to get got. Like, that's just the thing people were thinking because people have are walking around with more cash. Um, and all of this is still happening even when you look at what's happening like in our schools because there is this report that came out 
um, that like Asian American Pacific Islander students in California were the group to that were most likely to experience bullying. And on top of it, uh, like a majority of students when they were talking about what kind of racist rhetoric is normalized, it seemed to be that a surprising amount of students were like, it seems like Asian jokes are like are not as offensive, even though it's the right. same territory of it as a racial joke. Um, so we're we're having to have this real reckoning with what it what this what the conversation has been between America and Asian Americans, uh, because no one is actually I think because for me, I wasn't taught about any of this shit in school. And I grew up in California. It took my parents to be like, do you what what you said in the gold rush? What are they saying about Asian people? Right. Right. Huh? What? That they liked to do laundry? Yes. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, no. But I'm saying, like, because we don't have these uh, real conversations about our, his our history as a nation for the mistreatment of any group, be it indigenous people, Latinx, whoever, like, we're only, we're only doomed to keep repeating these sort of things. And I feel like it's really happening again right now because... This isn't a, this isn't a, it's not a, a conversation that's had enough about like observing anti-Asian racism and what that means and what everyone's part is in trying to combat that. Um, so, yeah, it's and there just needs yeah. to be better, I think, education too across minority groups. Right. Like cause mm -hmm. if you, you want to take a look back and you were talking about the Japanese internment camps. Right. I think it's something I didn't even know until I was in college and actually kind of like really diving deeper and studying right. different things. And one of the things that I studied in college, I have a degree in Latin American history. And one of the things that I had no idea about until I literally took Latin American history was something called the Bracero Program. The Bracero Program happened around the 1942, 1943, 1945, which is coincidentally the exact same time that we are interning Japanese Americans, who at that time were the primary source of agricultural labor. So the United States government had to figure out a way to pick all these crops because they had put people in internment camps they were picking these crops. So what they did is they made a deal with Mexico to allow workers to come north to work for seasonal portions of time. So sort of temporary ability to come in and primarily up and down the state of California specifically. So you also started seeing animosity between groups because you were seeing Mexican people coming in, taking work from Asian jobs. You have to kind of look at how all these pieces sort of pattern and network together, you mm -hmm. know? And, and it's important because the country, you know, our governments have done the same thing to all of these groups. Like you said, what we've seen with Native American people, what we've seen with Asian people, what we've seen with Latinos, what we've seen with black people, like it's the same playbook, but it's done in a way that sort of silos and makes these communities more wary of other communities and other minorities and white people in general. And until we start putting this together and really speaking openly and really start leveraging and understanding that we need to speak up as within our own racial groups and also as racial groups as a whole against mm -hmm. the government, like we're never going to get anywhere. There has to be acknowledgement of this stuff. There needs to be education. And that's one example. There's been so many examples of that, that it basically are institutionalized racism. Yeah. And it's you know? wild too, because even, even within communities, right? Because even with my black cousins, I was Jackie Chan, you know, right? I was Jet Li or whatever. Right? And but then I don't I'm like, I don't know my cut what the fuck my fan what the fuck am I gonna say you know like it's it's love right. or whatever but then you get older and you gotta actually realize like, we actually have it's so casually said yeah there's never a checking of it. it's like you're not gonna reduce me to this one version of a celebrity or whatever you your touchstone for Asian culture like it's the same shit like if someone come you and some white guy called this oh hey what's up Kobe Bryant or some fucking dumb yeah. shit about whatever black celebrity. It's the same shit. And I think, yeah, it's it, it's it's just like over the summer where, you know, I found myself imploring people to check anti-black racist talk or any kind of fucking discriminatory language that it has to start within where you are at. Because you don't want people to think you're somebody who you can say shit like that or you can you can perpetuate right. these kind of um, discriminatory perspective race it's fucking racism we call it racism it's you know racist. what I mean? I mean um so and now it's the same thing but i think it's now it's like do we have to keep pointing out it's like okay so the summer's for black anti-black racism right. the, the fall is for asian right. the fall is now a, a, a awareness around anti-asian racism when yeah, it's like like come on like guys yeah and it's not again and it's not it's not always necessarily about white supremacy but it, it can because it can happen within groups that aren't white 
But in terms of understanding like what we're seeing, like we also have to know like this country was also letting Americans know like we don't really give a fuck about Asian people. You know what I mean? And that's the thing that taste is historically still in the, you know, sort of the back of everyone's mouths, whether they know it or not. And, you know, and in the Bay Area, you know, where the first, you know, significant group of Asian immigrants are coming to, we're still seeing this play out centuries later. And I think that's what's important is and even in the United States, we're still replaying the same things because we're not actually taking the second to be like, I can't believe we did that as a country. Yes, exactly. And we really should have never done that. Acknowledgement that is barbaric. and reflection. Yeah. Don't there... try to explain it. Don't try to contextualize it. Just acknowledgement and reflection. Yeah. Yes, this occurred. And okay. no, that is not good. It is How can we make sure this bad. never happens again? Right? Yeah. Plans but it took, of, of mooching forward. It took like the 80s for a congressional fucking committee to be like, I think the Japanese internment uh, program was based on <laughs> racial prejudice. It's like, oh, my God, the 80s. But that's that's the pace at which we have these mini reckonings that, you know, at the end don't, don't seem to have the effects that we need them to. The I mean, it does go back to white supremacy because like even, you know, if no, no matter what group you are that's being discriminated against like it's impossible not to let that poison like seep in let that lie oh yeah i mean i, I yeah, and i meant yeah. that not that it's like in, obviously right. internalized yeah, no, white supremacy but right. not to say that this is only occurring with white people against whoever you know what it i mean like so, so yes. yeah like it even stems from colonialism right exactly right? it's all the internalized concept of, of coming here and that now that there was a white person from a, a European country that, oh, now we have brought civility. You know what I mean? And, and eschewing any native cultures that are, are there to begin with, right? And it just mm-hmm. gets replaced. It just gets replaced. It just gets replaced. The ways the Germans were treated, like the the go-to villain of history because they are, you know, the they symbolize evil, right? Like the German Nazis... The way German Nazis were treated in POW camps, there's a POW camp in Alabama where they were treated like a part of the community, welcomed into the community, uh, Nazi POWs, you know, after the fact, like actual like people who had roles within the Nazi government and the Nazi war effort were welcomed into the U.S. government like that. Yeah, it's they make sure that you can't miss the message. You know, mm-hmm. right. it's pervasive. Yes. It's like, well, yeah, they were on some fuck shit a couple of years ago, but they're going to help us make big bang bangs now. So, right. you know, all is all is forgiven. But, yeah, it's it's I, I didn't re- even realize, you know, like that this, even California, right, that groups of kids who are most likely to experience that were Asian-American. Like it's. Yeah. It, it, and it, and I think that's really indicative of the work that still has to be done, because that's you're seeing. If if that's happening in schools now, this shit is not going away for at least fifty years. In California, where you know what yeah. I mean, like that's you. And if so, we have to actually we have to do all this work now to ensure a better future for every. You know, we might see it, we might see a glimpse of it, but at least we got to do something to let leave something good for the the next generations to come along and not have to deal with this shit. All right, let's take a quick break, and we will be right back. And we're back. What is something from your search history that's revealing about who you are? Honestly, let's take a look. <clears throat> I I don't even know. I can't even tell you. Oh, gosh. What did I... You know what? The last thing that I searched uh, was uh, disposal and recycling. Because mm. I live in an un- unincorporated county. So I need to figure out how the hell you get rid of trash when the city doesn't come and get it. Because I've Ooh. never done that before. I'm a city girl. I'm used to like they. There's a trash can and they come and get right. it out here. They're like, yeah, you're gonna have to figure that out. So I, I got. I need a, a line on the trash hustle out here, man. I was uh, looking at various places. I need someone to come get my get my trash. What 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 are the rates like when you got a high? You got a I contract. Don't know. That's, That's what, what I want to find yeah. out. I have no idea. I'm thinking like I don't know. In LA, it was like seventy bucks a month for trash. Mm-hmm. Right. So I figure. Does that mean you rent a truck? 
Yeah, you rent a truck once a month and take the take the crash in. Or? Yo, you know what, Jack? You might be on some shit. I need to flip this around. Why am I paying someone to pick up my trash when I could buy a yeah. truck and have my you neighbors pay me right. to take their trash? <laughs> Yo, get your hustle. And uh, then I get free trash. And yeah. you learn all kinds of weird shit about them because you go through their trash. Thank and you. And I get to drive that sick-ass truck. Are you kidding me? Yeah, and I get yeah, to wear yeah. neon yellow all day? That's my new favorite color. The going guess, through the yeah. trash thing is like a cliche in spy movies and shit. And like 80s movies had people going through other people's trash, like when they were trying to find stuff out about them. But that is like real deal. Like they actually, that's like yeah. the way to find out shit about somebody oh, so for real. It. Yeah. Does that mean that all of the homeless people who go through trash in Los Angeles are secretly CIA agents? Yo. It's, I mean, are you they said like it. the I didn't best say informants? It. You said you it. You never know. You never know. <laughs> Gotta keep yeah, your eye I, open. I was watching that um, The Devil Next Door about uh, a dude who was suspected in Cleveland in like the late 70s, early 80s is suspected of being Ivan the Terrible, like the one of the oh, right. prison the camp guards. Yeah. yeah. Oh. And like his defense just like starts getting all these documents from one of the committees that's uh, investigating him. And it was just somebody going through their trash, like outside yeah. of a New York building. And they were like, yeah, we taped this together. Uh, we have all these documents and that holds up in court, apparently. Um, yeah, it's just wild. Because you threw it out, right? So it's just on yeah. the street. It's trash. It's trash. Where, so what you're uh, telling me is I should burn all of my trash. Well, that's what I was going to say. The trash fires, uh, that's... When I lived, uh, when I was very young, uh, in West Virginia, in an unincorporated area, See? That, that was how people got got rid of their yep. trash. Was trash yeah. fires, yeah. Hell yeah. And like you know, other p spots in the world, you know, it's still like, yo, I mean, yeah, I am the I am the trash people. I like I burn my man. shit right here in, in my backyard. Yeah. Man, huh, I gotta look into burning trash. Yeah. So hey, uh, trash site gang too. Holler at Lydia. You What's got up? the you, you the plug for, uh, or you know, maybe you got a truck connect so she can start her business. There you go. I am a little hype on the, the idea of driving around a, a garbage truck. That does seem so like, ill. Yeah. And just the wildest vibe, though, if I'm, I'm not saying you are, but you were low key going through their trash and creating like blackmail dossiers on them and be like, nah, man, you don't get it. Right. <laughs> this trash Recently? thing paid for itself in the first month when so I started much. getting hush money payments from them. <laughs> I'm going to need the east half of your land. Uh, <laughs> right, right. Like, I'm looking at these, these Cracker Barrel receipts and these Zaxby's receipts, and what this tells me is he has another bitch. Right, exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah. huh. Interesting. When did you start going to Crystal? Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> there isn't one in this county. So yeah, if you I'm go to another... Huh. I think I should do my own version of Snapped, but like garbage, trash-based only. Yeah. Right? And just try to find people just cheating on each other. Just that would be trash. a fucked up podcast where it's like someone goes through the trash of a random building and then talks to a person based on what they know from going through their trash and just freaks them out. Probably right. a better YouTube prank video, but you right. know, right? Somebody's yeah. like, "Good podcast idea, <laughs> good or <laughs> or awful one, <laughs> <laughs> well, or just a career next... as a uh, clairvoyant." You know, right? sure. That's oh yes. Time. The scam psychics. Oh, that Lydia, that's the wave. Dude. You go through them and then you know the little details. I'm like, do you want a reading? I just, <laughs> I just got a feeling from you. Please sit oh, in my man. vibe corner. People oh, people in the South are lo love to believe. They, they're they like Mulder and Scully. They just want to believe. So you get, just give them an excuse to believe. Yeah, I mean, the truth is out there, though. Yeah. Man, yeah. it's somewhere. Somewhere it's out here. It's out here somewhere. I'm going to find it. <laughs> <laughs> all right well we are thrilled to be joined in our third seat by one of the very faces on mount zeitmore he is the hilarious the talented billy wayne davis there he is. hey guys there he Hi. is listen to that rich baritone hello <laughs> hey you uh, a bike expert i see you got a lot of bikes hanging up in your garage image there i do you got a i think Okay, anyway, we'll talk later. I need Zeit Gang, let me know. I need a I need a mountain bike, but I'm not trying to spend a lot of money. I send me some suggestions. I'm oh, I'm a I'm a mountain bike. boy. I don't know. I I'm oh, you like roadie? You a roadman? It's just it's all about I'm not like uh going down the mountain. I have a mountain bike that I bought sure. at a yard sale and I've been so told need... it's really good. Um but like isn't that always funny when you have a thing, you're not sure if it's good, and then someone else is like, hey, man, whoa, 
<laughs> was that a Cannondale? And you're like, well, I don't, I don't, I got it. They're like, that's a good bike. And you're like, oh, really? I have, a gr- I have a grill and it's like, it has a smoker, it has the charcoal and it has the propane and then a burner on it. And I bought it Ooh. for $60 on Craigslist. Ooh. I knew Ooh. that was pretty cheap. Yeah. But my friend who really loves meat and smoking and all that came over right. and he was, he was like, man, that's so nice. I was like, yeah, I got that for $60. And I thought he was going to punch me. <laughs> oh, he was so angry at that deal, at the savings? Yeah, because he was like, that's six, that thing is $600. Uh, and he was like, and you paid, I was like, 60 <laughs> Yeah. Let that sink about. in, sir. Like, anytime he, he stares at it, anytime yeah, yeah. he's over, you can see it, like, it eats him up. Like, one day I'll just <laughs> give it to him. You catch him using binoculars from across the street, looking into your backyard. He's like, he still got that. Well, just anytime he's over, you just there's like there's like at least one time. Anytime he comes over, I'll just catch him just looking at it, kind of shaking his head, just like yeah. this motherfucker, it's, right? Because it's one of those things too that gives you appreciation. Because like, oh shit, somebody who knows their shit says this is it, and then you're then you're like, and I got the deal, baby. Mm. I'm winning all day. It yeah, and it was like. It was like, I just knew, I was like, $60 for that's pretty cheap. I knew that. And I was like, that'll be fine. I need a grill. Blessings and he about. loves that, that heat. He's like, so what have you smoked in it? And I was like, nothing. And you just see just rage. <laughs> just, just pure rage. Just like, what's just, wrong uh, with you? And I'm, like, I'm just cooking uh, these. I yeah, these chicken on it sometimes for the kids. Yeah, these uh, uh, frozen Tyson chicken breast patties. I just throw a couple of those on there. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, I think they're reformed from like rib meat and stuff. They're real yeah. cheap. They're great. Yeah. Kids love them. Teriyaki <laughs> flavor. All right. That's going to do it for this week's weekly Zeitgeist. Please like and review the show if you like the show. Uh, means the world to Miles. He he needs your validation, folks. Uh, I hope you're having a great weekend, and I will talk to you Monday. Bye.